0: Welcome everybody to another edition of the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. And we're on our own again. We're on our own. <laughs> it's just the two of us this week. She's left us. She's never coming back. Um, she's what's she doing? She's just busy. She's been busy. And anytime we have a chance to it's funny because I listen to like the Nerdist podcast and a couple other podcasts. Mm-hmm. And anytime it's like three or four people on a show, it's just it's like a band. It's like, it's so impossible to mesh everyone's schedule. Yeah, yeah. Especially on something you're just doing kind of for the love of the game and for fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so Mel's been busy doing some Mayfair work and some other things. And then when we squeeze in time to do uh, a podcast, she's off having fun elsewhere. But <laughs> but she'll be back. Uh, it is, what is it? May Thursday, May 12th. Thursday, yeah. And, uh... Since we podcasted last, uh, the big fun thing at the Mayfair was we did the uh, Purple Rain Prince Tribute last Sunday night. Which went over really well. It was so good. I was so happy because often... And it's not the fault of patrons or anybody, but, you know, people's schedules are busy, and especially on, like, a one-night-only movie, you always get people who can't make it, or it's a Sunday night, or we... This was on Mother's Day, which I didn't even think of yeah. when I suggested that date to, to I, host it. I do think there were a couple of uh, mothers and sons who, I think who so. showed yeah. up to this. My, my mom came. <laughs> my yeah. mom, I didn't think she'd be interested, but she wanted to come check it out. Um, yeah, and because and, it's always... There's always a big buzz or a big request whenever something tragic like a a someone dies like prince yeah or on the other side when it's a big anniversary or there's a a sequel coming out of something and then often it doesn't work and then people don't show up and we always kind of jokingly are like that's why we can't do nice things for you. Well, we after David Bowie died, we showed, um, what's it called? Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which is the World War II yeah. prison camp movie that he did. And yeah. nobody really came to that. No. But, you know, that's him doing a character role, whereas Purple Rain, is yeah. that's all Prince. Like, if, and who knows, like, if we could, it's just not available, but if we could have got the... Ziggy Stardust concert film. Yeah, that might have done a bit better. Might have played well. So this was, yeah, this and this is something much more, you know, Purple Rain. Although, although a people forget, kind of a dark movie. It's almost like with Saturday Night Fever, where people remember Saturday Night Fever for the they have warm memories and they don't uh, yeah. remember the sexual assault that's <laughs> yeah. in all the and Purple Rain has like, you know, a young. I always forget how young he is in it. Like I think he's only like. 24 or 25 yeah yeah but he's a young man with a troubled family life and then uh it 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 all works well in the context of the character but then like he slaps his girlfriend in one scene yeah but then the character you see that he feels bad about it he's all screwed up about it um but it's still like a dark movie with either some very dated stuff going on in it or some very unpleasant things and it's almost weird that they chose to make his character kind of so difficult and his band is mad at him and his manager's mad at him and yeah when they could have made him more of a heroic uh, yeah image in the movie nonetheless it's it's a super fun movie and you just get a Prince song every five minutes so yeah I mean scary. a lot of it's like a I guess it's like an extended Prince music video yeah even like I noticed the aspect ratio is even like shorter than flat like it, it it doesn't even fill up the full frame of a flat uh aspect ratio so I think they just kind of multitasked it and a lot of the stuff in the movie was just put right onto MTV as like here's a music video for Purple Yeah, Rain yeah kind of, kind of save them some money but it was so fun. It was, like, people were dancing in the aisles. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when the opening title card comes up and the opening song came up, it felt like a concert. Like, people were cheering and clapping after the songs like a concert. Yep. And so I'm just, I'm very happy that people came up, out not just for our, our you know, our bank account, but because <laughs> it's, it's a nice thing to have a kind of a cathartic tribute night like that. Yeah. And, um, and... Unfortunately, the rest of his library isn't as easily available as Purple Rain. No. But down the line, can't do it right away, but I would, if, if some other excuse, whether it be, I don't know, Prince's birthday next year or some anniversary, I'd, I would love to get a hold of uh, Sign of the Times mm-hmm. and screen something like that and see if that did as well. Hopefully, I think it would do as well, because we seem to do well with concert, uh, concert stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so anyhow, so that was super fun and, and really, and the aftermath of it as well on social media was, was everybody yeah. just super happy about it and, and it really is like, you know, thanks for coming and this means now that we can look at that and go like, oh, maybe some other concert movie comes up for grabs or, or you know, it's easier for us to have the excuse to take risks and show stuff that isn't uh, guaranteed box office gold. Uh, when Purple Rain draws a big crowd on Mother's Day night at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that was great. That was super fun. Um, and then uh, what did I see? I watched as Andrew and I are recording this. We're showing the last screening of Hologram for a King, which I really liked. Yeah. And uh, I also managed to see Miles Ahead, which we're holding over for a second week. Yeah. This is an interesting movie. I like it because... Not the traditional biopic. No, and I like it because they just kind of threw biopic out the window from what I understand. Like, I think, you know, any biopic is somewhat fictionalized because unless you're showing documentary footage, you weren't there. Mm-hmm. But in this one especially, I think they're not hiding that fact. Like, I think I think Don Cheadle and company are up front to me and like, yeah, this is a work of fiction around some true events and a real person. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing in it that is um, non-fictitious would be uh, his relationship with his ex-wife that he was married to for 10 years. And uh, it's set during the period when he wasn't really doing much. He was kind of a recluse. But is like, is Ewan McGregor made up or was he a real guy? He's made up. So he's made up. There was no Rolling Stone uh, writer who was... (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah and, and going
0: around the city with him buying Coke and getting into gunfights and stuff, and you're guilty. I'm guilty of it. When you see that, you just kind of assume like, oh, that's a that's a true thing. like that actually happened. And it's funny, like I don't know the I'm always confused on the logistics of making use of a real person in your movie. Mm-hmm. like you know you 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 can't just make a movie about Batman because he's copyrighted. But evidently, if you're a real public persona, you can just have a movie made about you mm-hmm. without signing off on it. Well, I think this movie was made in cooperation with uh, his family, so it's it's an authorized non biography, right. So, Yeah. And then there's like weird stuff, like with the uh, with Selma, the Martin Luther King movie, where they didn't have the rights to his speeches or his quotes. So that's they, interesting. Yeah. So they had they had. The character they had the events, which were just historical, but they couldn't use quotes or speeches, so that's very hmm. strange. But it's a weird red tape thing. I, I'm always interested by... Like, you know, like with... You know, when, when Oliver Stone did W or JFK, mm-hmm. he didn't have to get the Kennedy's permission or George W. Bush's permission. No. He just did it. Like, you just, you know... And even though... And especially with... Um, With W, where it's kind of a um, not a nice piece about the person either. Right. You can just get it. But yeah, so Miles Ahead uh, held over for a second week, um, starting Friday the 13th at an afternoon screening at 4.30. Speaking of Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. It's very exciting, because a couple weeks ago, I I just happened to, if you don't pay attention, these things slip you by. And I was looking at the calendar, and I went, oh, and I noticed that we had a Friday the 13th coming up. And I emailed Lee, and I was like, FYI, in case you missed it, the only Friday the 13th in 2016 is coming up. And he had missed it. And he's like, oh, thanks for telling me that. Uh, so we managed to kind of somewhat last minute squeeze in a Friday the 13th movie on Friday the 13th. Um, Part six, Jason Lives. Jason Lives. I think is a fan favorite. Seems to be. I, I am not, I admit, an expert on the history of Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. but from what people have been saying on the old Facebook and Twitter, it seems that a number of people either say this is their favorite or one of the favorites. Yeah. And also, I guess, just reading a bit about it when I was kind of trying to pull quotes to put on Facebook or whatever, that it, it gets comparison to, I don't know why, but it gets comparison to the, the, meta, the meta-ness the that happens with horror films a few years after this one. Mm-hmm. This is eighty-six, so but this, there was one review I read or one article I read that compared it to Scream where I, I think because the characters in the movie are kinda horror fans, so they're kinda talking about the the rules or something maybe. Do you remember that better I than think I do? So Yeah. Yeah. And uh I know that I think they did that in in Jason X, the one where he Oh for to sure. Chase. Yeah. Which which was like God, I don't know what, ten years after that one? Yeah. Um but yeah, so it's always fun. It's always a fun excuse. And so and it's it's a a, a midnight film in quotes. So it's actually at 11 o'clock on mm. on Friday 13th. And uh, so yeah, so it's it's as long as people I've heard It's funny because we, we, you show them out of order. Because we're not we're not gonna show part one. And then for the next we showed part one a few times. We yeah. showed part four once. A 35 millimeter print. Was it the last one we screened? Uh, The last one we screened was part eight. Part eight. uh, The New Blood. Yeah. So we're kind of hopping all over the place. place. Yeah, yeah. But But then whatever. Like, who's going to get confused by the storytelling? (laughs) Well, that's what I said. I said, I, I, some friends and I, because we're, we're dumb. uh, My friend Al, my friend Giselle and myself watched all, at the time there was 10. We watched all 10 of them in one calendar day. Wow. It was our, it was our nerd marathon. But it was this, like, mountain climb. Like, like, we had to, like, get up at 8 in the morning, have food ready. And my friend's girlfriend at the time got, like, mad at us throughout the day. Because at noon it was like, oh, you crazy guys watching a lot of movies. And then it became, like, 5 p.m. Like, what are you doing? Then it became, like, 10 p.m. And none of us were enjoying ourselves or having fun. And we're just, like, losing our minds and, like delving into apocalypse now kind of insanity but we're like we have to do it but i was like yeah i I much more recommend just once or twice a year watching one on the big screen at the mayfair on a friday the 13th i think that's much Mm -hmm. easier and by happenstance yeah this is the man it's gonna make a lot of people feel old but this is the 30th anniversary of this film oh okay yeah it came out in 1986 and it features the music of alice cooper yeah i remember that i remember being a kid and seeing like, the music video on Much Music for Alice Cooper. And yeah. Is he in it? or is No, he, no. It's, it's, two, it's two songs, Teenage Frankenstein and Man Behind the Mask. This was after, like, his big comeback. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I remember right around that, or no, a little bit later, he was in uh, the John Carpenter film. He was Prince in... Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Yeah. 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 And then Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's World, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's a lot of fun. So come out, uh, horror fans, come out on Friday the 13th for a Friday the 13th movie. Um, Unrelated to Friday the 13th, a a more uh, mainstream, awards caliber type film, Uh, on Friday night at 6.45, we start a run uh, every day from Friday till Thursday the 19th. We're screening Eye in the Sky, Mm -hmm. which is a military thriller. Yeah, it's about drone strikes. And it's with... Uh, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, who... This is slightly different than the, the kind of... Cool, elderly, British lady movie that I always tease about for Mayfairs. That if we could show one of those a month, we'd be gold. Because she seems to have quite a fan base here of the... Kind of senior citizen crowd or middle age plus crowd. That yeah. anytime we show a Helen Mirren romantic comedy or kind of drama... It does very well. Uh, so she's in this, and, and also Aaron Paul, who... From Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, who won, I don't know, four or five Emmys in a row for mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. And... The late Alan Rickman. Who worked so much, I don't know what's going to end up being his last film, because... Isn't it this one? Does he have another one? film coming out? Well, there's this one, and then if you're, if you're including uh, voice work, he's in the Alice in Wonderland sequel. Oh, okay. So that's not out quite yet, but um he might even have another one. I, I think he might have had like two or three in the bank before he passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so the late great Alan Rickman's in this as well. And it's um also the other actor who I I, I haven't seen it, but did you see the last the, the before hologram for a king, the, the Tom Hanks film, um about um, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I hear it's really good, though. The um, so the 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 pirate, the, the I yeah. guess the villain from that film is in this film as yep. well. That actor, and uh, but yeah, so it looks like a kind of a traditional Hollywood kind of military epic thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost looks like the kind of thing you would see like in the eighties, like like something starring like Clint Eastwood or Tommy Lee Jones. I read a review like that. that compared it to like. Sydney Lumet movies. Oh. The filmmaker who did, um, I think he did Fail Safe and some yeah. other, uh, he did Dog Day Afternoon, like a lot of like really great well, that's tense good, dramas. If it is, I, I love Sidney Lumet. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of my favorite filmmaker that sadly is not a household name despite his giant career and all the great things he did. Mm-hmm. But he's my favorite director who I point at and be like, he, he's the best director from, you know, that ilk of like, Coppola, Scorsese, De Palma, yep. Spielberg, who did just as many great films and was around for that era, but you might not know him as a household name. But, but yeah, so I in the sky. Uh, the other film we have this week is also on Friday. Oh, <laughs> so So complete other end of the spectrum of the the you know starring Oscar caliber actors like Helen Mirren and Aaron Paul. On the other end of the spectrum is Pass Through, which. If you listen to the past couple episodes, you may have heard us talk about it, but if not, Pass Through is a, a true independent film, mm-hmm. uh, where it's, it's not even like, you know, often people will say like, oh, the triple threat of writer, director, actor, but Neil Breen is like a 10 times threat, because if you look at the, the IMDB page for this, it's like writer, producer, editor, like. Maybe hair, hair, makeup. Everything. And he yeah. did everything. I think the end credits for Fateful Findings, which was uh, uh, the first Neil Breen movie that we showed. I think this is his fourth film, but we, we, we've we only shown uh, Fateful Findings. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> the end credits were like everything. Every, Neil yeah. Breen did everything. It's funny on, on like little indie films like that when people are grabbing all the credits, there's a point where you should just be like, written and directed, produced... Just stay with that. Yeah. Just like, there, your name's on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, this is... I don't know. I, how do you explain this film in a... Like, what's the elevator pitch for this film? It, it's... Well, let's see. Um, what, what, do, like, fa- Faithful Findings was about a um, a guy who wrote novels. And he has, like, psychic powers. And it was kind of a conspiracy theory. And he, he's hacking into government and corporate... Uh, secrets yeah. yeah as as he puts it and he's exposing you know government and corporate corruption and there was kind of a supernatural angle to yeah. it yeah yeah that he's got some sort of spiritual connection to like his childhood girlfriend and yeah it's all over the place yeah um let's see here artificial intelligence from this is a uh, the plot description for pass-through. Artificial intelligence from the distant future visits Earth to eliminate all humans who have been harmful to all humans worldwide. Mm-hmm. So I think he plays an alien in this one. But there's no, like, special effects. There's no, like, almond aliens or X-Files, spaceships. No, I think he plays, like, a, an alien who looks like a human. Yeah, Starman? Yeah, and he's there to rid humanity. Again, it's all, like, corporate and uh, government- Conspiracy, you know, yeah. ridding the earth of corruption and evil. Um, the, the, the first one, uh, even though often, I'm glad we're showing we're showing this one at nine o'clock on um, Friday night, Friday the thirteenth. Mm-hmm. So you can double bill. You can go. You can you can buy a ticket for Pass Through and then buy a ticket for Friday the thirteenth and have a crazy B grade drive in movie double yeah. bill. Yeah. Um, but I remember the first one, Faithful Findings. I came to see the first night. It was a real decent crowd, nice buzz in the air, and I wanted to come see it even though we were showing it in the the late late slot, which is often past my bedtime. Right. But I just had a feeling. I was like, I was like, this could be like the birth of a new Rocky Horror or The Room, and I want to be here on the ground floor to just before it's kind of tainted by people knowing the cues and knowing when to throw the things or whatever. Well, we showed Faithful Findings of. Bunch of times, mm-hmm. hoping that it would catch on like the room did, and it didn't quite work out that way. No, I did like it did, so but it but it did do fairly well. Like it yeah. does have a bit of an audience. You know, there are Breen lovers out there. Yeah, I remember it did really well one night, and then it just kind of trickled down. Mm-hmm. Whereas we keep showing the room in Rocky Horror because people keep coming to the room in Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah. After all these years. Yeah, but uh, it was it was a super fun night though, and. It just happened. People started screaming stuff at the screen and people started seeing the, the places of where you could make fun of it because there was like just inexplicable stuff like a lot of, lot of shots of shoes and lots of weird like he was on the computer but clearly the computer wasn't turned on. Yeah. And he's got a thing where, where he has like three or four laptops in front of him and he's typing but clearly the laptops aren't on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, and I thought... That's like, in more than one of his films. It's like, that's kind of a motif he's got going on. Did you on. see his... I've only seen Faithful Findings. Did you see the other ones? No, I mean, I've only seen clips of these films. Yeah. I haven't seen Faithful Findings in its entirety. I'll probably come and see Pass Through. Yeah. And but... Yeah, I do I do understand, like, his the themes that he's going for. They were so... It was so out there. And especially, you, you can't help but compare it to The Room. mm mm-hmm. Which... If I remember correctly, I think both sides of that comparison don't want to be compared to each other. I still remember not. some article or some somebody saying something. But the... You can't I, I think don't it. think Tommy Wiseau likes being compared to anyone except for James Dean. Right, yeah. And maybe James Franco at this point, I don't know. But it was... Yeah, you, you're like, wow, it almost made the room look a bit more linear because the room, yeah. despite its insanity kind of has a beginning middle and an end and kind kind of of has a love story you can follow yeah but fatal findings kind of and and it had like a crazy ending so with pass through that has kind of kicked it up a notch and is about like aliens and science fiction i'm anticipating some crazy ending on it again yeah and probably the the filmmaker's story is he's a a realtor is that right no he's an architect oh my god and he's based in las vegas and I guess he's independently wealthy and he, yeah. decided, he decided he wanted to be a filmmaker so he self-financed all his films. Um, I think his first film is called I Am Here Now. Mm-hmm. And then I think his second film, which was shot on 16mm, is called um, Double Down. Yeah. And then Fateful Findings and now Pass Through. Yeah. And he stars in it and he does everything mm-hmm. in it. But that's the thing nowadays. It's like wh- whether whether your movie ends up being like Tangerine or like Fateful Findings, it's 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 never easy. It's always work. No, nope, nope. but it's easier to make a movie nowadays because you don't have to get hold of thirty-five millimeter film. You don't get to have to get hold of an editing room. You don't get to get a hold of of. Well, Tangerine was shot on an iPhone, and that oh, was yeah. like probably one of the best films of last year. I I love Tangerine. Great. We were just I was just talking with that about that the other day with somebody about the. That as an example of... I always I always get uh, a little kind of film nerd angry anytime somebody goes, oh, there's nothing good. Or at the end of a yeah. year when yeah. they go, oh, there was no, no good performances this year. It's like, no, there always is. There always is. Go back to any year. There's always great stuff. It's just that person making that statement isn't seeing the stuff. Mm-hmm. And... There is a type of film goer, which is fine, who just goes to the multiplex on a Friday or Saturday night, and whatever's in front of him goes, oh, there's a new Transformers movie. (laughs) Well, I didn't really like the last one, but I'll go see this one because it's on eight screens. But there's always a movie like Tangerine, or there's always uh, something different and weird out there, whether it be something really weird like Lobster or something. It's it's just hard for them to get, you know, good distribution, get people aware of them. Yeah, yeah. So something like Tangerine, I was glad that after we got a hold of it, that it did a bit of a theatrical run, and, mm-hmm. then, and then now people can, I think, find it pretty easily. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, so that's where I saw it. I didn't get a chance to see it here. Yeah, but yeah, so but it's 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 a little bit easier for people, for better or for worse, to make their own movies nowadays. But easier to either make something that gets critical acclaim or becomes this like instant cult classic that a movie like Pass Through, even before it comes out, people are like stamping cult classic on it. Yeah, well, people, I, it's a misunderstood term. I mean, yeah. cult a cult movie is like something like Eraserhead or or The Room where the audience, um, you know, it, it's a movie made by the, well, not made by the audience, but made popular by people showing up at midnight and participating with the movie. Right. Um, you can't make a cult movie on purpose. It, it's, no. It's a happenstance yeah. thing. And speaking of that segue, segues us nice to say that on Saturday night we have the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep, with the Absent Friend Shadowcast. That's at uh, it's at eleven fifteen on Saturday. Who are May fourteenth? Very talented bunch, and and there's it's always funny because when when you're in a world you think everybody just knows everything going on at the theater, mm-hmm. but there's still people who come in and ask about what happens at Rocky Horror. Yeah, it happens. There's recently. always newbies. Yeah, and it was it was a. Um, it's happened before with me with like kind of younger kids, like 14, 15 year olds, but like an adult woman the other day was in and was like asking about Rocky horror. And I had to explain to her what the shadow cast was. And she thought that sounded so amazing. And I was like, yeah, so not only is it the movie that you know, but you're essentially seeing like a live stage show at the same time, which kicks the interaction up a notch because then they're grabbing people from the audience or doing yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know the number, but this, this troupe has now done this, thing a lot uh with us and so they're they're experts of performing these characters and singing these songs and they can probably do it without the movie playing behind them and that but this is this weird cool mashup we have of a live show and a movie going at the same time uh but yeah so that that's that's what we have on on saturday night with the rocky horror picture show not only Mm -hmm. is it the movie you get a live performance happening in front of you uh simultaneously. Uh, and um, we do that about once a month with the Rocky Horror gang mm-hmm. of absent friends. Shadowcast. And we have, we have another premiere on Saturday night and this looks really exciting. This is Killzone Two. Oh yeah. Starring Tony Jaw. Um, one of our regulars posted on Instagram saying that this is the best Hong Kong film of best Hong Kong Hong Kong martial arts film of the year. I... Um, this is a sequel to Killzone um, also known as SPL. Um, is it a sequel? In is this kind of? like I, I don't know if it's related. The first one had Sammo Hung and Donnie Yen. This one has Wu Jing and Tony Jaa. Um, maybe they're kind of th- thematically similar. I don't know if they're similar yeah. in terms of characters, but uh, uh, the first one is is fantastic. Yeah. And this one looks really really strong too. It, it's, it's it won uh, best action choreography at. Hong Kong Film Awards. Yeah, won a couple of Hong Kong awards. Yeah. It's weird that they slapped it with... I guess it's just the branding, but it's weird that they slapped it with a sequel title instead of just calling it some other random action... Yeah, I don't know. ...theme thing. But uh, Tony Jaa's incredible. Like I remember when he came on the scene... What was first? On Back? Yeah. So I remember watching Ong Back and just being blown away. Yeah. And then soon after seeing The Protector which is kind of themed around elephants. Yeah. And that has an equally amazing number of action scenes and a big, amazing, climactic battle. And then he kind of went away for a little bit. Yeah. And now... And then he did Furious 7. He's got a little yeah. role in that. And now he's kind of back. Like, like now he's kind of dipping his toe into American films. And with film like this, with uh, Killzone 2 is... Uh, from Hong Kong, but then... And he's in another American film coming up, too. I, I think... I think uh, I think he's with... In, like, the next Triple X film or something like that. Oh, yeah, with... They're bringing that back with... Uh, Vin Diesel, who was dead, I believe, from the franchise. But... Yeah, so I think Vin Diesel grabbed him from Fast and Furious and brought him over to Triple X franchise as well. But... He's a crazy talented martial artist, and so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping to, I'm going to come catch that uh, this this weekend because uh, I'm out of town next week. So Saturday night's my one chance to come see it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that'll be a super action packed movie. It's funny we have a bunch of stuff this week, but it's because Pass Throughs one night, Friday Thirteenth is one night, Rocky Horror's one night, so it kind of pads out things. But uh, it's a bunch of uh, of the the B grade midnight movies kind of. Fill out the schedule. Uh, what's the last? Oh, Demolition. Yep, Demolition starring Jake Gyllenhaal and from the director of Wild and Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, and back in, in uh, his Canadian days, he did uh, Crazy, a Quebec film, mm-hmm. which is a great movie. And this guy's on quite the run because yep. Crazy was you know highly acclaimed, Dallas Buyers Club was Oscar-winning for yep. Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey, yeah. I think Wild got a couple nominations, and then uh, now Demolition with Jake Gyllenhaal. And who else is in it? It's Gyllenhaal and... Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts, who's and, great. And uh, Chris Cooper. Who won an Oscar for... Uh, adaptation. Adaptation. And this is a movie about a man who loses his wife in a car accident, and he starts... Uh, Literally taking his life apart. Oh right, yeah, I saw a clip and it was him with a baseball bat, like tearing down a house. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, this is another example of a film that not super wide distribution. This isn't in, you know, you go to a multiplex and the summer blockbuster movie will be on six screens or so, mm-hmm. and that's the interesting thing with the mul- thing with the multiplex is that. You would think it would offer more options, but often it's something's on four screens, something on six screens, something on two screens. So these smaller films still kind of go by the wayside and don't get uh, as big as a push as they might get, even with kind of big names in it like Naomi Watts and Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm -hmm. And when you can say, oh, it's from the guy who directed Wilde and Dallas Buyers Club, it's still hard to get stuff up on a screen. Yep. Which, which benefits us because then the distributors are often say do you guys want to screen this and even if we could only squeeze it in for a couple days often our audiences will uh will come out on a wednesday or thursday night to check out something that they really want to see because they know they don't have uh, a ton of time or this might be their only chance to see it before it goes away often people will say like oh i missed fill in the blank is it coming back and and sadly i kind of always respond well never say never but Things kind of move so fast that once it's had its run of, of two days, five days, ten days, it kind of goes away and either the distributor won't give it back to us or we can't really find the excuse to fit it in because we've been offered a bunch of other movies that, mm-hmm. that come out. And uh, so, yeah, it's hard to kind of bring back a movie once it's had that initial little run. Never say never because often maybe a few months will go by and then it'll... Be nominated for some Oscars or have some excuse to put it back into the public eye, but but often kind of if, if you've missed it, it's gone. <laughs> Sad, but uh, or if it's you know if it's a distributor who once you missed it, then it's locked away in a vault, then it's really gone, and you might never ever see it again on a big screen. But uh, but yeah, so a lot of stuff this week, a lot of diverse stuff, ranging from Oscar caliber stuff to action to horror to. Whatever you qualify pass-through as. Sci-fi. Yep. Sci-fi, independent weirdness. And then um, we also have uh, an independent screening. You can check the website or Google them to check out more about them. But it's uh, open to the public screening for Past Redemption, which is uh, a web series. And it's presented by the filmmakers, so they'll all be in attendance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nights like that are often fun because... All the cast and crew is here, and the mums and dads, and everyone's really excited, so it's still a fun thing to come and check out if you want to see some locally produced talent, so you'll be supporting a local theater and supporting a local talent all at the same time, so it's a nice uh, nice thing to undertake. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, we have more stuff to talk about, but... We're gonna to try to do another podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. because we're uh, two of you are away next week, so we're covering our bases. Yeah. So I don't know what what time are we at now. Should we cut this one short? Yeah, we. Yeah, we could probably wrap this one up for this week. Uh, you can go to MayfairTheater.ca to uh, find out more about upcoming premieres, upcoming uh, late shows, and whatnot. We've got a lot of exciting premieres coming up uh, at Mayfair Theater on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Facebook, uh, we're everywhere. And uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash Mayfairtheaterpodcast to download a free audiobook. What could they choose this week? What's based on maybe, a book? Uh, is Island in the Sky based on a book? I think so. so it seems like it is. Are there, are there any Friday the 13th um, novelizations that have been turned maybe, into? Maybe, maybe. I don't think Neil Breen has written a book yet. No. Um... There is a Miles Davis autobiography. I don't know if there's an audiobook version of that, but that's at least worth searching for. Yeah, there's there's always so much stuff. I always mean to check it out. The last the last one I listened to, I still haven't. I've been catching up on podcasts, so I haven't listened to another audiobook in the last little while. But it's uh, it's a deep library. There's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I could always. I might have recommended them before, but uh, for kind of film themed ones, there's. Jim Henson has a really good one uh, about his life. Uh, Patton Oswalt reads. Oh, yeah. He has two books. Two um, movie-themed. What's his first one? The first one is called Zombie Spaceship Wasteland. Yeah. And his more recent one is called um, Silver Screen Fiend, which is about is really, when he was yeah. an up-and-coming, up-and-coming comic in L.A. and also obsessed with going to the movies all the time. And he reads them, so it just sounds like you're listening to yeah, a stand-up yeah, show. Yeah, no, yeah, those are highly recommended for sure. But uh, yeah, lots of stuff to check out. And uh, our friends across the street at House of Targ have a new Ghostbusters pinball game, mm. which is super awesome. So that's their their latest movie-themed pinball game you can go check out at House of Targ. Uh, if you go on Sunday nights after 9 o'clock, it's free play, so mm-hmm. it sometimes gets crowded, but you can go and play everything. Yeah, it's everything. Five, $5 and then $5 cover and yeah. free pinball all night. And you can check out online for all their upcoming shows. Houseoftarg.com. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, we'll cut it a little short this week so we can get in two shorter podcasts. And uh, we'll uh, if you listen next week, you'll hear us talk about stuff coming up because we don't know what's playing next week yet. Yes. <laughs> in the future. So thanks for listening. All right. See you later.